a young orphaned girl found floating in the ocean, and her incredible survival story. We'll talk about it all this week on The Internet Says It's True. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. This is episode 167. Welcome back. If you enjoyed episode number 44, which was the story about Juliana Kepke, uh, this is sort of a similar tale. It also has some similarities with episode 110, which was the episode about Richard Parker, the cabin boy. This is a scary, crazy story. And hang in there, because in a little bit, we're going to talk with my wife, Allison, who is stepping in today as our quiz contestant for the Yap Yap portion of the show. I'm recording this from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, with the little mobile studio that I do. Uh, also, hey, we've got a couple new tizzlers I wanted to welcome. So thank you so much to Chris S. and Christian R. for joining up. You'll have some uh, stickers coming in the mail. And Christian actually gets a free drink koozie as well, because Christian joined at the $5 level. Anyone can join for just a dollar a month if you want. Uh, you'll get access to all the fun stuff over at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and you'll see your options there. It's super, super easy to do, and you can be a tizzler. That's what keeps the show going, keeps the proverbial lights on in the studio. I am once again asking for your financial support. I also have a quick bookkeeping note. There was a message from Billy G, who is born and bred in Hartlepool. That was the location of last week's story. Billy G wants me to know that Hartlepool is a town and not a city. So my mistake on that, monkey hangers, Hartlepool is a town. Thank you for the note. Billy G also uh, has the theory that the uh, the monkey was a powder monkey. So, you know, there are different theories about what what the person was, whether it was a monkey or a little kid or whatever. But so Billy's opinion on that is that it was a powder monkey and sent me uh, notes for a song about that. So thank you again, Billy G. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating along with a few words. Maybe a comment about a, like a re recent episode or a message about how you find out about the podcast. That helps us in the podcast rankings. It gets more people to just find out about the show. And the more people listen, the longer I'm going to keep the show going. It's a huge time and energy dedication on my part, especially with my busy travel schedule. But all of that, I don't even care about it. It makes it worth it when I know there are folks tuning in. Uh, so get those ratings and reviews in. I was thinking of giving this place five stars. This week I'm in uh, New Mexico at Eastern New Mexico State and then uh, Granville, Ohio at Denison University. And then I only have a few more shows and we call it a day on 2023. So if you just happen to be near Portales, New Mexico or Granville, Ohio, let me know and I'll make sure you can come and see those shows. With all that said, we're going back now to 1961. So let's get on with it. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Survival at sea stories have to be some of the most heroic tales of just absolute sheer will and determination to live. In 1983, Tammy Oldham Ashcroft and her fiance Richard Sharp sailed into Hurricane Raymond. They were trying to sail from Tahiti to San Diego. Richard Sharp was sadly lost to the ocean. But Tammy, who was injured from taking a blow during the hurricane, stayed afloat in the wreckage of the boat. She was rescued after 41 days at sea. And during World War II, Air Force Captain and Olympic distance runner Louis Zamperini floated on a life raft for 47 days before he was picked up by a Japanese ship and sent to a series of prisoner of war camps. His story is told in the book and film Unbroken. That book is by Laura Hillenbrand. 
Jose Salvador Alvarenga drifted 8,000 miles when his fishing boat was disabled. When he was finally rescued, the 37-year-old Alvarenga had been lost at sea for over a year. But our story today is about a girl who was adrift at sea for only about four days, and yet her tale is absolutely gut-wrenching. This is the story of Terry Jo Duperalt. Have you ever been on a cruise ship or flying in an airplane over the ocean and watched the white caps on the water? Sometimes your brain can almost fool yourself into believing you're seeing something floating on the surface of the ocean, only to realize it's just another white cap. When the Greek freighter named the Captain Theo was sailing around the Bahamas, the second officer thought he saw something white floating on the ocean. At first he couldn't tell if it was just a white cap or some sort of debris. They were cruising through the Northwest Providence Channel in the Bahamas, and the second officer continued to watch the white spot in the ocean and realized it wasn't a white cap. It was too small to be a boat and too large to be floating trash or debris. He yelled to the captain to change course in order to get nearer to it in order to see what it was. When they came up next to it, they were shocked. Floating there in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean was a tiny white raft holding a tiny white girl. Terry Jo Duperalt, the girl on the raft, was only 11 years old. And we'll talk about how she got there after a quick word from our sponsors. I've got to tell you about this new advertiser with the show, and it may be a company that you've never heard of before. We are in the perfect time of year for this. Each year, people get their holiday decorations out, and inevitably, they can't find the one thing that they want to put out. Smart Labels helps you catalog all the stuff you are putting into storage containers so that when you go to find everything again, it is as simple as uh, just a quick search in the app. And it's not just good for use at home. It's called Smart Labels, and basically, if you have a company with inventory, they are making the management of that inventory as simple and affordable as it can be. So this is perfect for small business owners. Here's basically how it works. You buy that Smart Labels QR code stickers on Amazon, right? And then the stickers come, you put one on one of your containers, or even like on a shelf, you download the Smart Labels app on your mobile device, and all you have to do is scan the code. The app creates a digital container for you. Then you can just write down all the information about the items that you're cataloging. And then you just take a picture, put that on the, the file. Super easy to do. You'll have all your inventory easily searchable right in the palm of your hand. And a sticker pack only costs $16. The subscription, this is amazing, $30 a year. You can't beat that. So. If you even if you just want to be super super organized uh, at home or maybe in your garage, uh, but this is like really perfect for small business. Get your smart labels stickers on Amazon today. Once again, they are called smart labels. You're gonna want to check them out. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. 
Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. When the Greek freighter captain Theo picked up the 11-year-old Terry Jo Duperalt, they had no idea the horrors she had been through. Her nightmare began on November 8, 1961. Terry Jo's father, Arthur, had chartered a yacht from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas. The ship was called the Blue Bell, a 60-foot twin-masted sailing catch. The whole family went on the voyage. Arthur, his wife Jean, and their three children, Brian, Renee, and Terry Jo. The trip was a lifelong dream for Arthur. He had taken that journey from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas during his service in World War II and had always dreamed of making the journey again. They lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, so the idea of a journey in the warm Bahamian waters of the Atlantic sounded like a perfect vacation. Arthur had saved for years to afford the trip, and that winter, they had finally planned it out. They planned to spend a week on board the yacht, but left room to make it longer if they wanted. The cost of the yacht rental in 1961 was just $515, plus the money they had to pay the captain. The captain of the ship was actually a friend of Duperalt's, an experienced yachtsman by the name of Julian Harvey. Duperalt offered Harvey $100 a day for the trip, and even allowed him to bring his wife Mary, who would also serve as a cook on the yacht. They set sail on November 8, and were having an amazing vacation. They stopped at Bimini and Sandy Point, bought souvenirs, collected shells on the beach, went snorkeling, and ate like kings. Mary fixed a a fancy chicken cacciatore dinner for the group. On the night of November 12, Terry Jo was feeling tired, so she went below deck to sleep while the rest of the party stayed up. But she was awakened in the middle of the night to the sound of screams. She heard her brother yelling, Help! Daddy, help! And she heard stomping and rumbling. Then nothing. Absolute silence. 11-year-old Terry Jo had stayed in her bed, scared during the whole ordeal, and after a few minutes, she raised the courage to leave her cabin and return above deck. It was then she saw her mother and brother lying in a pool of blood inside the main cabin. They were dead. Shivering and scared, Terry Jo continued to walk around the bluebell and saw more blood and a knife. The captain, Julian Harvey, saw Terry Jo and yelled at her to get back below deck. She ran back to her cabin, but it wasn't long before the next part of the nightmare began. Her cabin began filling with oily, smelling water. The ship was sinking. Once again, she found the courage to get out of bed and ran down the hallway under the boat where she saw Captain Harvey holding a rifle. By this point, the water was up to her waist, and she yelled to the captain to ask if the ship was sinking. He replied that it was and asked her to hold the line to the yacht's dinghy. She accidentally let the line go and the dinghy drifted away from the yacht, and Captain Harvey jumped into the ocean and swam for it. Young Terry Jo was all alone. She had seen her mother and 14-year-old brother Brian on the ground, but hadn't seen her youngest sister Renee, her father, or Harvey's wife Mary. The sinking yacht was eerily quiet as the captain disappeared into the distance. She didn't have time to think about anything but getting off the boat. 
she saw a small white life raft, just a tiny little cork float, barely bigger than the girl. It was two feet by five feet. She threw it into the ocean and climbed aboard. She watched shivering and cold in the pitch black night as the bluebell disappeared into the ocean beneath her. By noon the next day, Captain Harvey had been rescued. The oil tanker Gulf Lion saw him yelling and waving his arms. He was screaming at them that he had a dead baby on board. And when they rescued him, they found the body of young Renee Duperalt, Terry Joe's younger sister. He told the crew of the Gulf Lion his version of the story. It was a very detailed story about how the ship sailed into a storm, flipping the bluebell onto its side and snapping one of the masts. He described a series of events in detail, but said eventually the ship caught fire and sank. He said he wasn't able to rescue his wife or any of the passengers. Captain Harvey was taken to Nassau to speak to authorities. He told the same story in detail, but there were some questions that he couldn't answer. Why had he loaded up the dinghy with some survival supplies? How did the young girl make it into the dinghy? Was she living when she entered? He claimed at that point that he had found the young girl's body floating in the ocean and wasn't able to revive her. They didn't have any proof that he was lying about his account, so they released him and he returned to Miami, where he'd be questioned once again, this time by the U.S. Coast Guard. In the meantime, another rescue was happening. It was four days after the young Terry Joe entered the water that Captain Stylianos Kutsodontis of the Greek ship Captain Theo steered his boat toward the tiny life raft at the direction of his second officer. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. A young blonde-haired girl wearing a white blouse and pink corduroy pants. When they pulled her into the freighter, she was dehydrated, confused, and could hardly speak. After recuperating for a while, she was able to tell her story in pieces. Before once again suffering from the dehydration and sun exposure, she collapsed and slept. The Coast Guard sent a helicopter for her and she was brought to a Miami hospital in critical condition. Over the next few days, she was able to tell authorities about what she had seen on the ship. She confirmed for them that there was no fire, no storm. Captain Harvey's story was falling apart, and he had no idea there was even a survivor. When they finally told Julian Harvey that Terry Joe had survived and been rescued, he said, Oh my God, isn't that wonderful? He was then told he'd be wanted for further questioning. And that's when Julian Harvey drove to a nearby motel, wrote a suicide note, and took his own life. He slashed arteries in his thigh, ankles, and jugular vein, and died there in the Sandman Hotel. Harvey's note didn't explain why he did what he did, only that he got too tired and nervous and couldn't stand it any longer. Mary had been Harvey's sixth wife. And the theory was that Harvey, who had been finding difficulty getting work and was in serious debt, took out an insurance policy on Mary's life and killed her to collect the money. He was most likely caught committing the act by the Duperalt family, and that's why things escalated. Investigators found prior instances of Harvey committing insurance fraud. Had Harvey lived, he most likely would have been charged with the murders of the Duperalt family, his wife Mary, and the attempted murder of Terry Joe. He had drowned Mary probably gotten caught, and then stabbed to death all of the other members of the Duperalt family. And no one is quite sure why he didn't kill Terry Joe. Terry Joe is still alive today. She lives and works in Wisconsin, and she still enjoys being near the ocean. She gave an interview about her survival to Matt Lauer. I'll leave you with her quote from that interview. 
She said she doesn't want people to look at her and think, gee, that poor little girl, but rather to think to themselves, quote, she's gone on with her life. She continued, I always believed I was saved for a reason. If one person heals from a life tragedy after reading my story, my journey will have been worth it. It's time for Yap Yap with me and a friend, and this week my friend is my lovely wife, Allison. Allison did the podcast once before. Some of you may remember that. Lots of great comments about it, and somehow I convinced her to do it again. How do you feel about being on the podcast again, first of all? Excited, nervous, nervous. happy. <laughs> You're just making all that up. Yeah. Why? First of all, we're, we're in Pittsburgh right now. Why are we in Pittsburgh? Uh, we are visiting my family. Yeah, so we've been helping out around the house and doing some things. Uh, I had a rare weekend off, which which has been nice, and we've been able to hang out together for the weekend. And um, so here's the thing with coming to Pittsburgh. The internet connection here leaves a little bit to be desired. You told me about this last time you were... I definitely warned you. Yeah, it's like uh, a dial-up, essentially. Yeah, takes takes forever just to like send an email so there's no chance of me doing a zoom meeting with anyone so we got no it would, <laughs> be awful. It, would, it would be really bad so also we're using one microphone so i'm having to turn this thing back and forth but let's get into it let's ask some questions so for this first question we're going to play for a joke so you got to tell me a joke you know i don't know any jokes <laughs> well you'll have to google one on your phone do you have your phone cheating. yeah if you get this question wrong you'll have to google a joke Sounds good. Okay, so uh, here's your question. And if you get it right, I'll tell you a joke. And I'll Google one too, because I didn't look one up this week. Here's your question. Terry Joe Duperalt was known as the Sea Orphan in 1961 when she became famous for which one of these things? A, being the youngest boat captain to sail across the Atlantic. B, being born at sea without any record of who her family was. Or C, being rescued floating at sea after her family was murdered. I wasn't really paying attention, so <laughs> <laughs> let's go with C. C. That was the last one I caught. <laughs> you got it right. It's C. Yes! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay attention to these questions or else. <laughs> looking, I was looking for a knock-knock joke. I thought I was going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll look for one instead. So, um, all right, here we go. We got a knock-knock joke. These are the best, 50 best knock-knock jokes for 2023. Knock-knock. Who's there? Water. Water who? What are you asking so many questions for? Just open up. That was literally the one I just read on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. All right, let's move on. Um, oh, I did find a joke for this week. I forgot. So you get a bonus okay. joke. You ready? Because I looked for like ocean sea-based jokes since that's what this week's story was about. Here we go. Why does the ocean roar? It's angry. No, you'd roar too if you had crabs on your butt. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. It's true. Uh, for this next question, we're going to play for changing our Facebook profile picture to the show logo for two days. So if you get this wrong, your Facebook profile picture is going to have to be the show logo. How do you feel about that? That's fine. Yeah, you'll do that? Yeah, why not? Okay. You're never on Facebook, so. 
always on Facebook. Well, yeah, but you, I mean, you never like you don't post a lot on Facebook. True, I don't. You just you go on Facebook to look at like horse dogs. videos and, and, horses, do- and dogs. Yes. Yeah. All right. Here's your question. What's the longest anyone has been lost at sea? A. Twenty four days. B. Seventy five days. Or C. Four hundred and eighty four days. As in, like they had a boat wreck and were lost, yeah. or yeah, essentially that. No. Not not necessarily a boat wreck, but like uncontrollably floating at sea and nobody knows where they are. Okay, can I can I get them again, please? Yeah. So A was twenty four, B was seventy five, and C was four hundred and eighty four days. I'm hoping it's only B. B. Are you hoping, or what do you think is the right answer? I'm just really hoping it's B. <laughs> the answer, believe it or not. Is C, 484 days. So, Japanese captain Oguri Jukichi holds the Guinness World Record for the longest known time that anyone has survived adrift at sea. Joined by one of his sailors, the skipper managed to survive for approximately 484 days after their cargo ship was damaged in a storm off the Japanese coast in October 1813. So, this is, uh, 19- this is a long time ago. But what's, what's cra- yeah, this is long before the internet. But what's crazy about this is that I read the story. And his skipper was with him the whole time. Really, really bad. But why does Oguru Jukichi get the credit for being the long? They were both lost at sea for the same amount of time. I don't understand why one guy's name is it because he was the captain and the skipper, or maybe he just killed the skipper. No, they found them both. No, they were both fine. They both they found them both when they rescued him in 1813. But for some reason, Jukichi got the got the credit for this. So, all right. So um, you got that one wrong. You've got to change your your profile picture to the show art. The internet says it's true show art, and people are going to ask you questions. And and when they ask you, you'll say, "The internet says it's true." <laughs> <laughs> you'll tell them this is because you have to listen to the episode. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Because I rock hardcore. Yeah, you rocked it. You're you're one for two so far. Uh, question three, we're going to play for a sticker. So I love stickers. If you get this right, you'll get one of the stickers. <laughs> That's already in our house piling up. Yeah, you could <laughs> grab one yourself or I could hand you one. <laughs> Ooh, it's official if you hand it to me. Yeah. Which U.S. president was shot down over the Pacific where he floated for hours on a life raft until being rescued by an American submarine? Was it A, John F. Kennedy, B, George H.W. Bush, or C, Jimmy Carter? I feel like I'm going to embarrass myself really bad here. Let's go with Bush. The answer is Bush. Uh, George H.W. Bush. Yeah. He was shot down in World War II. And uh, two of his uh, people he was with died. But he survived on a life raft for several hours and then was picked up by an American submarine. There were Japanese crafts in the area. So um, there's a book called Flyboys that you can read that, that talks about that account. And other stories, but they do talk about uh, George H.W. Bush being shot down in that. So you got that right. You get a sticker when we get home. Hell, you can have a sticker now. I've got them in my bag. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you feel about this podcast so far, this, this one we're doing right now? How do you feel it's going? Um, I feel a lot more, <clears throat> pardon me, relaxed than last time. Yeah, last time we were in the studio. Could it be that we're sitting in my... <laughs> Childhood bedroom. childhood bedroom. <laughs> there are pictures of, that. first of all, there are glow-in-the-dark stars on the ceiling. Still, I took them off when I was 12, and they are still on the ceiling. Yeah, and well, well you didn't take them off because no, they're still there. That's the remnants. The remnants. Oh, that's just the glue? Yeah. Why does the glue glow in the dark? I have, that's really hard to say. say that. I, <laughs> so we've got uh, pictures of Allison when she was a cheerleader on the, on the shelf. 
Um, One lovely year in eighth grade, I think it was. I noticed there was a Gloria Estefan CD behind us. That is my father's. <laughs> okay, not yours. <laughs> not not mine. <laughs> Those are not yours. Where are your CD collection? Dave Matthews Band, that's not yours? Oh, okay. You got a boom box. Also, glow-in-the-dark yes, stickers on it. Stars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, that helps. Maybe in the future when you're on the podcast, we could just do it all in your childhood bedroom. <laughs> you are missing the most important thing in this room. Which is what? My autographed hockey card signed by Zarly Zalapsky. Zarly Zalapsky autographed <laughs> hockey card. Oh, not to mention the half-naked volleyball, male volleyball player Eric on the door. Moana. Eric Food, what a what a. That's uh, awesome. Actually, okay. that, I don't think that's him. He, I think he's on the front door. Yeah, that she's got cutouts of um, buff male volleyball players on her door from the, was that high school years? Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. And how do you feel about the podcast in general and me doing it? It takes a lot of time, but I love it. <laughs> don't be fake. What, tell the truth. What do you really think? I think it's cool, but I think it takes a lot of your time up. It does. It does. Time when I could be spending with you. Absolutely. Or cleaning the house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes the questions, the stakes for the questions, our listeners know, like, I'll be like, okay, for this next question, this is for doing the dishes and stuff. And if I get it wrong, I go upstairs and I do the dishes. Uh, how come I've never heard that before? (laughs) Well, you're never down there with me, but I don't know if you've ever noticed the dishes miraculously get done. Yeah, if I do them. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. All right. Marital bliss. Question four. (laughs) We're playing for an admission of the best thing that happened to us this week. So if you get it wrong, you got to tell me about the best thing that happened. If you get it right, I'll tell you about the best thing that happened to me this week. 30 islands in the Bahamas are uninhabited. Nobody lives on them. 30 of the islands. Um, Well, 30 of them. Now, how many islands are there in total in the Bahamas? So 30 of them are uninhabited. How many are there total islands? A, 40. B, 100. C, 700. Uh, A. A. So you think that there are 40 islands and nobody lives on 30 of them? Yes, because I don't believe any of this. And why don't we live on them? Well, we can't afford. We're not David Copperfield. We can't or- afford a, a, our own island in the Bahamas. I like the, the Copperfield reference. <laughs> We're not or David. Nick Hexum. <laughs> I don't think he has an island anymore, does he? Didn't he sell his? think so we watched a show on tv once where he talked about just walking around naked on his own island i mean that must be nice yeah if you own the island why not but it's okay well you have a childhood bedroom you could do that in (laughs) (laughs) now that our listeners are imagining my wife walking around naked um (laughs) (laughs) the answer is c 700 what said there are 700 bohemian islands and only 30 of them are uninhabited really small yeah some of them are but they're all they all have people on them like 600 and math 70 670 of them have people on them that's amazing i'm kind of jealous yeah so but here's this is interesting despite having 700 islands the total landmass of all of the bahamas is 5382 square miles which if you combine those together is a little bit smaller than the state of connecticut so it's not a not a great deal of space they're just a bunch of tiny tiny little islands Excellent. <laughs> I, just, I just put the microphone in front of her mouth with absolutely no reason. So she just had to say something. Okay. I think I may have fallen asleep for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all of our listeners. So you got that wrong. So I got to tell you about my happy, the best thing that's happened to me this week. Uh, for me, I think the fact that I do not have any shows this weekend and I was able to come with you to Pittsburgh and help, uh, you know, with some medical issues with family and, and we're able to help 
take care of, of that and be helpful and spend the weekend with you. Um, that is the, probably the best thing that's happened to me this week. Uh, how about you? So for me, it's kind of twofold. My dad recently got out of the hospital after a two-week stint there. Um, and my stepmother-in-law, so Mike's stepmom was also in the hospital. So they both got out of the hospital after a long journeys there so that's definitely been the best thing for well yes. both of us this week <laughs> definitely we can rest a little easier now that they're both home and, and recuperating at home it's better than trying to recuperate in the hospital that's for sure you have been a great sport doing this thank you so much um you you went two for four oh. and there's one left oh. um so this is our fifth question it's for all the marbles so if you get this one right you're welcome back on the podcast anytime if you get it wrong you're banned for life never on again I will remember that when you are in, a, in between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Need it. You'll be like, I got that wrong. I can't do right. it. I'm banned. Let's see how we do here. This one's open-ended. There's not multiple choice. If you were lost at sea, but you had a TV and power and maybe like an internet connection, and you could watch one TV show for the entire time, which one would it be? Okay, I have two. Can I just, can I give two? Yeah. Okay, Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. Okay. And Friends. And Friends. Yes. Uh, and these are things you probably have watched multiple times over and over. Absolutely. You I don't have. think you'd get sick of them if you were stranded? I think 10 years of Friends would keep me occupied. And I could probably just rehearse them and say them out loud. That is a correct answer. So we can do that. Uh, I, I, would, I would also like to point out we're currently rewatching Grey's Anatomy right now. Well, actually, we're watching it for the first time. That's well. We watched the first like two, two, seasons. two seasons. Yeah, and we're rewatching it right now. And there are how many seasons? Twenty-one seasons. Twenty seasons. Twenty-three seasons. I think, seasons? I think Ni- it's nineteen so far. So there are nineteen seasons, and that would give you at least that would it would stretch longer. Like you said, your I answer about, about Friends Grace. is that there are ten years of it. Yeah, but Grey's is sad. Yeah, that would be a tough show to watch when you're like, by yourself. Right, exactly. If I'm by myself, I need someone that's gonna like lift me up, make me laugh. I would say maybe The Office for me. Oh, I don't know that there's enough. Or Parks and Rec? Mm, I don't know. I mean, yes, those are two of my favorite shows, but I don't know. Uh, I, I might go drama. I might go like The Wire, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad The Sopranos. But that's sad. I mean, I mean, it's good, but... Not really for me. Like, I just it. enjoy watching them. So, Anywho, well... Uh, you went. Uh, you got that right, which means you're welcome back on the the podcast sometime. Next time we're in Pittsburgh in your childhood bedroom. Um, do you have anything else to say? You know, what? if you're in the Central Ohio area, you you need to go and see Allison. She has a skin spa. It's called Jewel Spa in Muirfield in Dublin, and uh, you go to Jewel Spa J E W E L L S P A dot com, and you can see where she is. You can see the services she offers. Um, and uh, go check that out. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. That is all for this week. Thank you so much to Allison for being my guest, and thanks to you for listening. Here's the voice of a sea turtle. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of 
The internet says it's true! The internet says it's true. would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official Emperor, Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and all audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.